Um, I've, 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 I've titled my sermon today, <laughs> Like the Wind. <laughs> now people are looking for relationships. Let's, start to, let, let's go for this now. No. <laughs> Guys, like the wind. <laughs> um, sure. So w- whenever I, I evangelize, um, I always make sure that I define um, terms or, or words that I use. You know, like um, if I use the word grace, um, I'll, I'll explain that grace is receiving what you don't deserve. You know, and it's an enabling power that God gives so that you can live his word out. You know, and the reason why I do that is because so often when you speak about words like grace, certain people may have a different um, understanding of what you're saying because of different experiences that they've had um, and also because of just maybe what they've learned or what they haven't learned. So they're just like, top of my head, what could this thing really be? You know, um, so I, I try as much as I can to to define terms. Um, and if we don't define terms, um, certain things could happen, um, like, the, the, like the next slide up there. Is someone can say, I lost my salvation. Now I have to get born again for the fifth time. So if you're going to someone and you're telling them, get born again, for them, they might be thinking, I'm not really sure what this concept of being born again is. Um, so I, what I've seen is in church, people get up when, they, when they're told, go receive salvation. You know, so my own story is I... Grew up as a Methodist boy. Uh, my dad was a priest there. Um, and then um, after he passed away, years after he passed away when I was in high school, I remember I, I was one of those who, who would go to church, but once in a while. And my reasoning for going to church was, you know what, it's been a long time now. I need to clean out, you know. Um, and so uh, the result of that is every time that I went there, without fail, I'd, I'd, I'd answer the altar call. I'd be there. I'll be kneeling. <laughs> I don't know how many people prayed for me and counseled me and said, yes, now you're born you, you saved or now you're born And then next time I'm there. <laughs> you know, um, so this can often happen. And I find that when you, when you go out and you speak to people, they don't really understand what this born again um, word means. And cul- society and culture is really confused about this word. Because, um, and this can also be because of how people who, who call themselves as born again um, have, 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 like, worn the term. Um, and, and usually when you go to, when you just speak to people, there's a, there's a certain type of people that's called, I'm a born again. <laughs> Anyone know those people? <laughs> so there's, like, in culture, there's people called, I'm a born again. And the reason why they call them born again is because of of the of of what of the of their mannerisms and the and the and the stuff that they do, you know, um, and, and and because of this, certain people actually think that if you do A, B, and C, and if you don't do A, B, or if you dress this certain way, so it's become just a culture around. Oh, okay, this this is what it's it's an outward appearance thing. You know, so what they see is that, okay, now this person has changed their behavior. Now this person has changed the way that they dress. Oh, okay, they are born again. 
You know, they carry their Bible, they, 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 they greet in Christianese. <laughs> you know, when you ask them how they are, they say Jesus is good, and then you're like, but I was asking about you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, for, I, I think there's another, go to the next one, Avi. There's, an, there's another problem that comes with this, um, is, is that people can now ask you that. So why not, instead of getting born again, don't you just grow up? Because for them, they see this as it's just a behavior, you know? So you were, we were not behaving before. We knew how you were. And now you are coming and you're saying, because you are born again, now you... So, so for other people, they can just see it as just a change of behavior, you know? So you need to grow up. You need to mature. You know, this is... You, you don't need to be born again in order to do that. You know, so is, is, is being born again just about behavior? Is it just about the culture? Is it just about what you show? Um, I'm sure as we go on today, we'll, we'll see more um, about that and we'll understand more about that as well. Um, and, and we're going to look at today John 3. John 3, verse 1 to 8. John 3, verse 1 to 8. So while you, it won't come up on AZ. And you can just keep your Bibles there. John 3, verse 1 to 8. <clears throat> so as I grew up, let me just fast forward and then I'll come back. Um, fast forward from the point where I was just going to church and I was um, getting born again every Sunday that I went. <laughs> uh, much later on, I, I grew up to realize that being born again doesn't mean, it doesn't only just subscribe to a certain type of behavior. And it's not just what is on the, outward, is on the outside, but it talks about um, three spiritual commitments or observations. Uh, it talks about salvation, that is giving your life to Christ and, and uh, receiving the gift that is given of eternal life. It talks about repentance, which is changing your mind and changing um, the, the things that you used to do before and aligning with God's word. Um, and then it also talks about baptism. It's about baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, it talks about a new birth. Um, and that's really what we're going to be going into here. And we're going to be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that we have in our lives, the power of Jesus when he comes to save us, um, and, and, and how he can actually use us, and, and, the, and, the, and the power and the might that we inherit because we, 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 we become born again. Um, so are we all there? John 3 verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can see, can do these signs, signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, excuse me, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Um, Father God, we invite you in this place this morning. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you speak through me mightily this morning. Thank you, Father God, that you open our hearts to receive from you, Father God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that no word may fall, Lord, on hard ground this morning. I thank you, Father God, for a great, mighty harvest from you. Pray, Lord, for great fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's a great part of Scripture. Um, But then it starts with um, telling us that there was a man, a man of the Pharisees. So what are these Pharisees? Um, so this is giving us context into this whole story. Who um, and, and what are they doing? So Pharisees were members of the Sanhedrin, which was the rulers of the Jews. Um, it was a council made up of um, top clergymen of the Jews, um, and they actually were ruling over them. So we, we learned that this guy um, is a high-ranking official. You know, he's educated, he's probably wealthy, and he's probably an elder, elderly person, person. Because the people who were admitted there, um, they were usually old, elderly people. You know, they didn't take youngsters like you and me. <laughs> um, you know, so this is a person of high, of high esteem. This is a person who's well-educated, you know, probably well-received in community, like has a good reputation. You know, so... Let's carry on. He's a Pharisee. And his name is Nicodemus. What does the name mean? It means victory of the people. Or it means conqueror. Or it can mean conqueror of the people. So it can mean victory of the people or conqueror of the people. Um, So Nicodemus comes at night. So here's this prominent figure in society. And he's coming to someone's house at night. So already you're thinking, okay, why, why is he there at night? So usually through scripture, when you look at people doing things at night, it usually signifies that they have evil intention or their intentions are not good. Um, however, as you, as you read on, you see that um, Nicodemus recognizes Jesus as a rabbi. And a rabbi was actually a, an organized form of teacher. And he was, it was in the line of the, of the Jews. So it, it had to be bestowed upon you, you know. But Jesus hadn't officially been given the title of a rabbi, you know. So you realize from that that he doesn't esteem Jesus lightly. He esteems him greatly, you know. So probably he didn't come with evil intention because he even says to him, he prays him a great compliment. He says, I, I, I know that we had to go through men's protocol in order to be named rabbis. But I see that you are a rabbi, and the stuff that you do, only God can make you this teacher. You know, so he, he's paying him a very high compliment, and he's saying, so, 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 so immediately you start to see that Nicodemus is not coming there as his high rank, but he's coming there, um, and he's coming there, and he's submitting to self, himself to Jesus. Um, and, 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 and as soon as he speaks to Jesus, Jesus answered him and said, you, you, most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, he says. <clears throat> if you read in another version, it says, truly, truly. 
If you have a King James, um, <laughs> it probably says verily, verily. <laughs> I love that word. There was actually a girl at, at high school that, who had that name. <laughs> verily. She verily, verily had that name. <laughs> but, but, but this talks about an absolute certainty. You know, this word of, 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 of verily or most assuredly or truly, it talks about that he is certain about what he's talking about. You know, it talks about that he's got no doubt in his mind. You know, and, and what he's going to say is something that is. And what he's going to say is something that cannot be changed. What he's going to say is something that objectively is truth and for eternity. So he says absolutely and no doubt you must have no doubt in your mind that what I'm going to tell you is true. There's a quote by Josh McDowell. It says, um, Having convictions can be defined as being so thoroughly convinced that Christ and his word are both objectively true and relationally meaningful that you act on your beliefs regardless of the consequences. Isn't that happens when you take something as absolutely true? When you take something as, you know what, there's, there's no two ways about it. All my eggs are here because this is it. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying this is another option for you. You can take it, but there's this one and this one. But he's saying verily. He's saying truly, truly. He's saying assuredly I say to you. Unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of, 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 of God. So he's saying there's no two ways about it. There's no, there's, there's no what do you call it in, in English? Um, those, those parts, you know those parts that are informal? Like you know there's the formal part and then there's the other one. In the last zul. Oh yes, close. There's no informal path where, okay, this is what Jesus is saying, but when you're going to double up and you're going to take this shortcut and you'll get there. <laughs> <Hey, no joke. laughs> um, yeah. So it, 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 it talks about that if we, if we actually start to believe this, if we actually start to see this as absolute certainty, then it, it should change the way we act. It should change the way we speak. It should actually change the way we think about that thing. Amen? So it talks about you must be born again. Here's this word again, being born again. Um, this word talks about a new birth. It talks about a spiritual birth. It talks about um, being born of the Spirit. It talks about being born from above. You know, you normally we, the... the, the the birth that Nicodemus was talking about, he was talking about, you know, the natural birth. And for him, it was baffling. Why is this guy telling me I must be born again? Uh, how can I be born again? That's impossible. But Jesus, when he's talking about being born again, he's talking about a spiritual birth. He's talking about being born from above, being born of the Spirit. He's talking about the Spirit man coming alive in you. If you look at Ezekiel 36, verse 25, Ezekiel 36, verse 25 to 27. It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you all from your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. 
I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of and and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my, st- in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. So he says, unless you are born of water and spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And this is what he's saying. Because often when I, when I go out and, I, and, I, and I'm evangelizing and speaking to people, I, I, we usually, we, well, if you, if you do it, you'll know this one. This is very uh, pr- prominent. Like you'll speak to someone, they'll be really convinced and convicted by, why, by, by what you're saying. And then you'll come to the time where you're asking them, now are you, are you making this commitment to this thing that I'm talking to you about? And then the, uh, it starts. You're like, no, you know, um, I have a boyfriend. Or you know, I have a girlfriend. Or, you know, there's just stuff that's in my life that I'm not doing, and I, I don't think I, I can do that. You know, so all of these things start to come, and then you start thinking to yourself, oh, but you, 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 you understand that this, this is powerful, you know? Um, and this is, I, I owe this one to Temba, but Temba usually says that, you know, when, you, when you're going to the shower, you don't stand outside the shower first, and then you clean yourself, and then you go into the shower. But, but, but this is what someone who says, you know what, there's still stuff in my life that I need to deal with. You see who's, who's leading there? It's I'm leading. So I need to deal with this. So they're not seeing being born again as Jesus coming and doing something. They're seeing born again as I need to grow up. I need to mature. I need to change my behavior. There needs to be something that breaks in the cycle of my behavior. And then I can come and join your, your behavioral group. Then I can come and join and become one of you and look like one of you. But because there's still these things that are tainting me and then are tarnishing me, I can't come and join your behavioral group. But if you understand grace, that it's, giving, it's getting what you don't deserve. And if you understand that, that grace is an enabling power, then you realize what is said in the scripture, that I will sprinkle on you. He says, I will sprinkle on you. But you are standing there and saying, no, I will sprinkle on myself. I will clean myself and then you can come. <laughs> We can try all we want. We can grow. This is not about growing up. This is raising people from the dead. This is, this is speaking into the flesh of the man and raising your spirit man up. He goes on and he says, flesh is flesh. And he says, spirit is spirit. I've got a table here. And I'd just like us to go through it. So this is the problem with the first one of going and saying, you know what, this is, these are my problems and, and, and this is what I need to fix. You use your own strength, you use your own effort, and it's, only a, it's mostly about outward appearance. A lot of people can get away with, with living this, with, with appearance or this, or this type of, of, of behavior and still do things in secret that they shouldn't be doing. But as long as other people are seeing them outwardly, and that's what really Pharisees, that's the kind of life that the Pharisees lived. They lived for pomp and, and glamour and glory. 
And they prayed long prayers. But Jesus' heart and God's heart was always that your heart is far away from me. Your own heart is far away from me. I yearn for your heart. I love, I love some of the teachings that you teach these people. I love some of the rules, the, some of the commandments that you teach these people. But I yearn for your heart. And this is what the Spirit comes and it does. The Spirit comes and it gives God strength. It gives God's effort. It enables you to live the same way in secret as well as how you live outwardly. It enables you to be full of faith. Who knows that it's hard to be faithful? Because what Jesus is talking about here is something that Nicodemus can't see. He's saying this is what's going to happen. But I think the biggest stumble for a lot of people is that they're not sure. They, and they even say that. Like, I'm not sure how I'm going to react after this. I'm, maybe I'm going to be like that person who said that they're giving their lives to Christ. But then after a few weeks, then they started to do this. And then they started to do that. And I don't want to be like that person. Who knows that getting married desires faith? How do you know that that person is not going to change? You see them now, you know them, you love them. How do you know they're not going to change? When you're going in there and you're like, yes, I love them. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's the same thing with giving your life to Christ. You don't know how it's going to turn out. But you need to have faith, and it's the faith that keeps you there, and it's faith that keeps you, and you believe for the, word, for the best. That's what faith does. Faith believes for the best, and faith understands God, and it understands his heart, and it understands his, 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 his notions for us. And so faith is that, is that thing that we stand on. Full of God's strength, full of effort. Full of God's effort. We're like this in secret place and outwardly. And we're full of faith. Full of truth. And full of power. I'll speak more about the power. But this morning as we're going through these things, I understand that we find ourselves in different places. I'm speaking to people who have already given their lives to Christ. I'm speaking to people who have already been born again, who've already been baptized in the Spirit. I'm speaking to people who may be able to speak in tongues. I'm speaking to people who may not. I'm speaking to people who, who may prophesy, may see visions. And on the other hand, I'm also speaking to people who have never given this, made this commitment to Christ. I'm also speaking to people who've never, who, who don't call themselves a Christian. I'm speaking to people who are interested, but then they, there's these things that, you know, you know we, we, I can't get past them. And the simple truth is that you just need to give in to him. You just need to give your life to him. You need to trust in him. You need to have faith in him. And you need to trust that what he says, that he will take your life and he will make it prosper. He will give you that heart of, of, of flesh. He will give you His Spirit. And there's so much power in the Spirit. So for those who might have been born again and who've already gone through all of these things, 
Let, let, me, let, me get you, let me get to you now. Jesus reiterates what he was saying the first time. The first time he said it generally, unless one is born again. So it's anyone. <laughs> and then when he speaks it again, he says, unless you are born again. So he's making it personal. This is not about, yeah, they must do it. It's good for them. You know, because sometimes that's our mentality. That for them it's good. They can do it because they have the power or they're willing or whatever. But for me, it's not. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 you. You must do this thing. It's a personal application. In John 15 verse 3, it says, you're already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. One of the things that Jesus called us to is not only just to, just to receive um, his, his word and to receive and to get born again, but he also called us to go out to other people. He sent us out. Literally, he sent us out as missionaries. That's what the word missionary means. And when he made the Great Commission, he commissioned us and he said, go out. You know, but sometimes we, we can stand and say, you know what, um, I, I can't really do this because my personality type is I'm very shy. Um, so, so I cannot go to people and, and tell them what you told Nicodemus in, in private, Jesus. What you told him in secret, what you told him in the night. Maybe this place is too public. Maybe I can't just go up to him and talk to him. You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. What that means is I've already given you the tools to do this. You might also be thinking, you know what, I I cannot do this thing because I have my own different um, spiritual giftings. You know, I pray. I'm a very good person at praying. Or I'm a very good person. I I, I just see things. I, I, I give people words. Who knows that these are all tools and these can all be tools for, for someone to get born again. Scripture tells us that we need to contend for people's lives. We need to pray for them. So all of us need to pray. It's not just certain people. All of us need to pray. Scripture tells us that he will give us visions and we will see visions and we'll dream dreams. So all of us can see these things. And what can we do with them? Um, there's something called treasure hunting where I'm not sure, who knows what treasure hunting is? Okay, cool. (laughs) So this is great. Now all of us will know what treasure hunting is. So treasure hunting is a form of evangelism where it's it's very much based on spiritual gifts and your ability to see um, and to see visions and to, you know, for God to give you stuff. So what you do is when 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 you're doing a treasure hunt, um, you sit and you pray and you wait on God and you trust him. Trust him for a particular person. Trust him for a particular item of clothing. Trust him for something that someone is going to be doing, you know, and then you go out. So you trust God that he's going to show you something while you're waiting. Either a red t-shirt like JR or or someone who's on their phone writing stuff like, like Refilwe, you know, he's going to show you something. 
And then you're going to go out. And when you go out into, into whatever place you go into, then you're going to see someone like that. So when you see that person, you go up to them. And then you tell them whatever God is telling you to tell them. If God hasn't told you what to say to them, then you just share the gospel with them. <laughs> isn't, isn't that what we do? You can share your testimony. This is what happened to me. But get to know the person. It's very important to ask the people questions because as you ask questions, you get to understand who the person is, what they are, what they need, what their relationship is with God. Because sometimes we just get to people and we tell them, you know what, you need to get born again. What? What is that? How? (laughs) You don't even know me. You're coming to tell, you know? But asking questions reveals the heart. Which is what Jesus usually did. Either made statements or he asked questions that reveal the heart. And that's where he's calling us to go. To go into people's hearts. And so there's lots of different ways and a lot of different expressions in how we can do this evangelism thing. So that we can't say that, you know what, this is not for me. This is for these certain people. We are all called to it. He then says, the wind blows where it will. The wind blows where it will. You don't know where it starts. Wayne made a beautiful analogy about sailboats. That when sailboats are put there, if there's no wind, then they will not move. But when the wind comes, there's no knowing where they'll go. Because the wind takes them. And this is how God is in our life. He comes with so much power. But what we need to do is we need to be on that steering wheel, waiting, listening. Because sometimes what we do is we ignore the wind. We receive the Holy Spirit. We baptize. Yay, I can speak in tongues for me. Then now what, what must I do? But the Holy Spirit comes and it gives you, it gives you power. He gives you, it gives you great insights into a lot of things. If you look at Acts 9, verse 10 to 18. You'll see the account of um, Ananias and Paul and Saul. It was still Saul there. So God speaks to a guy who's a Jew, who's a Christian, and he tells him that he must go to someone who's not a Christian and who's actually persecuting Christians. This is the power of the Spirit. He tells him, go to this person. This is where you'll find him. He tells him exactly where he'll find him. And when he goes to that place, he finds him there, Cut a long story short, he prays for him, so scales fall off his, his, his eyes, and he becomes part of them. His life dramatically changes. He receives the Holy Spirit. He becomes born again. He commits his life to Christ. He repents. He changes dramatically from his ways, and he follows what the ways of Jesus. This is a guy who got born again. And you know, my own personal testimony is some, sometimes... God just tells me to do things, and I'm not really sure why. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I wait, and then I do it later. <laughs> and sometimes I do it immediately. <laughs> so there's one time where I just got a sense that, look, you need to go visit your brother. Uh, why? Go visit your brother. Okay. It was late notice. I was still a student. I didn't have money. Um, it was, I was supposed to go on the weekend. I think it was a Thursday night. 
you know, so now I'm supposed to be calling this guy, telling him, hey, I want to come to your house, and then on top of that, give me money to come. <laughs> but I did it. I called him. As I, as I got the unctioning, I was like, okay, cool. Let me call this guy. Called him. I said, hey, I want to come visit you. Um, he says, okay, give me money. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I get the money. And I go to his place. And it turns out that his then-girlfriend's sister was there. She was studying in UP. Um, and as we got to talking with her, uh, we were just talking about the Bible, just talking about church. And I actually got a sense that she, 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 she was angry at this whole notion of Christianity and God. So I asked her some questions. And what I found is that she, she was angry that she was being manipulated into receiving Christ. She was being scared into doing it. Because people were always dangling hell over her. And she, and she had a, a, an anger against this God who was, who, who was so brutal and who was just there trying to, to press people into, into giving in to him. So when I started reading from him from Hosea, where it says, I am a father and I am here and I am gentle and I'm here to take you in. And that's my heart for you. I, 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 I presented to her a different side of God, a side that she didn't know. And guess what she did? After that, she was in tears and she gave her life to Christ. So I got, I, I moved all the way from Durban, all the way to Newcastle. So that this one person may get saved. It's power of the Spirit. That's how he uses us. That's how he pulls us. Behold, the, the, the hand of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save. But it's sometimes our sin and sometimes the people he sends out that are not doing what he sent them out to. Here's an example of also how the Holy Spirit can use you to send you out. You have your own plans, but he has other plans. And his plans need to be higher than yours, and they need to, to, they need to materialize. Wayne was um, on campus years ago, um, and it was a Friday night, Friday evening. He had a date with, with his then fiance, now wife, Trish. Um, and he and he was rushing off now. You know the time where I'm done. I'm going to my sweetheart. And then he meets a certain guy standing there, just standing. <laughs> and then God says, "Go to this guy." And then he, oh, God, fiance. Okay, fine. I'll go to him quick. <laughs> so he ends up going. And it turns out that this guy was was Winston. And and, and Winston. Had, had prayed a prayer that very morning. And he says, I will only give my life to you. I'll only come back to you if whoever comes to me has an important engagement and they cancel it. So he had given God an ultimatum that very morning. And he said, you know what? Whatever it is that you want, this is what I want. And so Wayne comes here. He's like, okay, very quickly, let me come to this guy. And he's trying to talk to him very quickly. Winston can see he's in a hurry. And then I think he asked. And then, and then Wayne said, like, yeah, I've, I've got a, he, he, to cut a long story short, he had to, he had to cancel 
for that night. He stayed with Winston and they had a, a long conversation and he ended up recommitting his life to Christ. Because God sent him someone who had an important appointment. He's, he's not married yet, so Trish is still ticking boxes like, ah, standing me up. <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult thing. Ask someone who's engaged, they'll tell you. <laughs> Straight and narrow. <laughs> but this guy was like, no. This is what God is telling me, and this is what I must do. Obviously, he called Trisha. He didn't just like chill there. <laughs> and like, no, I was doing the work of the Lord. <laughs> be, be, guys, this is practical. Because we always have stuff to do. We're always going to meetings. We're always going to work. We always have an appointment with this person and that person. And most of us are always just a little bit late and just on time. And because of that, we don't have time to spare for anything or anyone else. So that means that we live a lifestyle where we're not thinking about who, who needs to get saved. What is God saying to me? We're living a lifestyle that's saying, I'm chasing, I'm going here. And then after this, there's this one. And then after this, there's this one. Can we find ourselves in a place where we're listening to God? Where we're hearing him say, go to that one. What do we say when he says, go to that one? Ah, tomorrow. <laughs> Again, if you think something is true, then you'll act accordingly. Remember what Jesus said, verily, verily, unless you are born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what is at stake here. Brothers, sisters, uncles, daughters, not entering the kingdom of heaven, not having eternity with Christ. Let's go back to Nicodemus and let's just look at what we see from him after this whole story. <clears throat> In John 7, verse 37 to 38, and 45 to 52. The story is Jesus got himself in trouble again with the religious people. He went and he said this, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Imagine. Like, does, he, does this guy need PR? Like, let's hire someone. <laughs> so if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he stands up and he cries this out, and it causes division between the, before the people that were hearing him. Some people thought, you know what, wow, that is great. That's so profound. This guy is from God. The other people were thinking, ah, this guy. He's saying he's the Messiah. The Messiah doesn't come from where he says he comes from. He's an imposter, this guy, and he's here to sow division. And the rulers of the time were not happy with him. Who is a ruler? Nicodemus. He's one of the rulers. So later on in the story, when the rulers who were there um, in, in the crowd came back and reported to the rest of the council, the other guys asked them, why didn't you stop this guy? Because there's no one... Who's the Messiah who's going to come from where he comes from? There's no Messiah that comes from Galilee. And then it was Nicodemus. So they were saying that he must come and he must be imprisoned and he must answer. 
And then Nicodemus, he comes and he says, he who came, and he comes and he says to them, does our Lord judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? So does our Lord judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Then they answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. So he, he tried to stand up for him. Because he knew who he was in practice, in private. Besides what he was in the crowd, he knew him. He had the personal encounter with him. And he could tell his character. He could, he could, he could show others. Maybe he still had that fear of man, like his name is saying, that man must, must, must be victors. Because when they, when they opposed what he was saying, they didn't, he, he didn't go further. And then you also see in John 19, verse 38 to 40. This is after Jesus had died and was resurrected. Sorry, and was going to be resurrected. It says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came to Jesus by night. Sorry. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh, aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen and with spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. So here are two men. One of them, we understand that he is a disciple of Jesus, but in secret. So when Jesus was alive, he was out there in the corners worshiping him and meeting with his other disciples. But because he was a prominent member of society, he didn't want to be associated And you also have Nicodemus, who's now coming, and he's burying Jesus, giving their last respect, giving their honors to him, and proving who he is. These two men had courage to to bury Jesus, and they believed in him. But they, I I don't get evidence from Scripture that they'd fully committed to him, that they'd given their lives. That this commission of being born again, they took it as the, assuredly, there's no other way. There's no, there's no doubt. This is what you must do. But I love this account because it also shows that God is at work in our lives. And that he takes us from stage to stage. For Nicodemus to stand up to the entire Sanhedrin and tell them, guys... Shall we persecute this guy without even giving him a fair trial? That must have taken something. Because Jesus wasn't very popular in those circles. He stood against most of what they stood for. So for him to stand up and say, you know what? Guys, maybe. Maybe. And then you see him also going and declaring his allegiance with him. Burying him lavishing his, his riches and his money on him. These, these things that he bought and, he, and gave to Jesus, they were expensive. And he came and he, and he poured this over him. So he started to worship God.
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. These guys might have taken a while to respond, but they generally did start responding. Scripture doesn't really show me a concrete evidence, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, they, they, that after this, that they really did knuckle down, and they really did commit their lives, and they really did repent, and they really did change, and they really did speak truth to power, and they really did speak against the, 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 the traditions of the day, and speak in, in, in favor of God's ways. Won't you stand to your feet? You know, if you already are a believer of Christ and already are born again, might be empowered mightily by the Holy Spirit, but you might be saying, you know what, I'm gripped by fear. Fear of rejection. When I go there, someone is not going to be kind to me. Someone is going to not listen or hear what I have to say to them. Or you might have a negative perception of yourself. Or it might be your position in society where you look at the situation and think, uh, what are people going to think of me? How's my reputation going to change because of this? Or you think about your personality type and you're like, this is not the kind of person that I am. This is what I can do with my kind of personality type. Jesus says those who are born again are like the wind. You never know when it's coming from. I want to say that to you this morning that you never know where the courage is coming from, that you never know where the assurance is coming from, that you never know where, 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 where this boldness to speak to people where you're usually so shy to, to speak to them comes from. You never know the favor that you might get from, from meeting that person and speaking to them, even in society. Because Jesus promises that those who, who, who follow him will have good standing with man and with God. And if you've never made that commitment to Christ, if you're not born again, then this invitation is not to grow up. This invitation is to become born again. This invitation is to commit to something. This, commit, this, this, this commitment is to, to commit to changing and following Jesus' ways, following the scriptures. This commitment is to receiving the Holy Spirit and being like the wind, flowing wherever God sends you, doing whatever God tells you to do. Let me just take some time to pray this morning. So if you're already a believer and this is you, you, you really struggle with this and there's deep things that really prohibit you from doing this. I want to unlock that this morning. We're not condemning you because of those things, but we know the power of God 
can overcome whatever it is that hinders you from doing his work, from walking with him, from flowing with him. Father God, we pray, Lord, for each and every person in this place. Lord, we pray, Lord, against the fear of man, fear of rejection, Father God. Lord, we thank you that you have already told us, Lord, that they're not rejecting us, but they're rejecting you. We pray, Father God, that you fill us with your love, that, Lord, we may put your love, Lord, above our, our reputations, above everything, Father God, that we may, we, we may foster your love, Father God. 